Turn with me this evening to 1 Kings chapter 14. 1 Kings chapter 14. Found the place, let's hear the word of the Lord. We're going to read from verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 1. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise thyself, that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam, and get thee to Shiloh. Behold, there is Ahijah the prophet, which told me that I should be king over this people. And take with thee ten loaves and cracknels and a cruise of honey, and go to him. He shall tell thee what shall become of the child. And Jeroboam's wife did so, and arose and went to Shiloh, and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see. For his eyes were set by reason of his age. And the Lord said unto Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam cometh to ask a thing of thee for her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shalt thou say unto her, For it shall be when she cometh in, that she shall feign herself to be another woman. And it was so. When Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, as she came in at the door, that he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam, why feignest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. Go tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, for as much as I exalted thee from among the people, and made thee prince over my people Israel, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it thee. And yet thou hast not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do that only which was right in mine eyes. But thou hast done evil above all that were before thee. For thou hast gone and made thee other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and has cast me behind thy back. Therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam, and will cut off from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up, and left in Israel, and will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam, as a man taketh away dung, till it be all gone. Him that dieth of Jeroboam in the city shall the dogs eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. For the Lord hath spoken it. Arise thou therefore, and get thee to thine own house. And when thy feet enter into the city, the child shall die. And all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him. For he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave. Because in him there is found some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord shall raise him up a king over Israel 
who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam that day. But what? Even now. For the Lord shall smite Israel as a reed is shaken in the water. And he shall root up Israel out of this good land which he gave to their fathers. And shall scatter them beyond the river. Because they have made their groves, provoking the Lord to anger. And he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, who did sin, and who made Israel to sin. And Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Tirzah. And when she came to the threshold of the door, the child died, and they buried him. And all Israel mourned for him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by the hand of his servant Ahijah the prophet. And the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he warred and how he reigned, behold, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And the days which Jeroboam reigned were two and twenty years, and he slept with his father. And Nadab, his son, reigned in his stead. Amen. And the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from 1 Kings chapter 14 and the verse 6. It reads as follows, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam, why feenest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. And my theme this evening is entitled, The Wickedness of a Bad Example. You see, these words were spoken by Ahijah the prophet to the wife of Jeroboam as she had disguised herself to come to his house. And there she is crossing the threshold of his house in Shiloh. In her heart and mind is a grievous problem. Her son is critically ill. Her and her husband, Jeroboam, are wondering if the child is going to die. And the man of God says to her, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. Why feignest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. Go tell Jeroboam. Now, this reference to Jeroboam is a reference to King Jeroboam, the first king of Israel. Jeroboam is known as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. If you turn over there to verse 16, we read, And he shall give Israel up, that's God. Why? Because of the sins of Jeroboam, who did sin, that's himself the individual, and who made Israel to sin. Jeroboam is known as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. It's a very clear, definite description of this man. You see, there's another Jeroboam in the Bible, Jeroboam the second. But we're not thinking of Jeroboam the second. We're thinking of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And he was the most infamous of all the kings of Israel. And before the death of King Solomon and the foolishness of Rehoboam that caused a revolt in the northern kingdom, this man, Ahijah, 
He met Jeroboam. He took his garment. He rented into 12 pieces. And he gave 10 pieces to Jeroboam. And this was a great visual aid that God was going to give to Jeroboam 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel for to rule under God. And the prophet's action so infuriated old King Solomon just before his death that he wanted Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, dead. Jeroboam fled to Egypt. He lived under the protection of one of the pharaohs there called Shezek. He remained there until King Solomon's death. And after the revolt of the northern tribes due to the stupidity and insolence of King Rehoboam, who was the son of Solomon, in those days, the days of that revolt, God fulfilled his word to Jeroboam. And Jeroboam became the king of the ten tribes known as the kingdom of Israel. You see, God always fulfills his word. God's word is true and faithful. And you can rely on that word. And we're able to say, even as we thought this morning about the psalmist, when he says, in God I will praise his word. In God have I put my trust. Now years later, maybe 22 his wife stood in the threshold of the door of Ahijah the prophet. And this lady got a very clear message. A message of heavy tidings. Look with me at verse 7 and 8. Go tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, for as much as I exalted thee from among the people. And made thee prince over my people Israel, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David, and gave it thee. And yet thou hast not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments, and who followed me with all his heart, to do that only which was right in mine eyes. Verse 9, but hast done evil above all that were before thee, for thou hast gone. And made the other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and has cast me behind thy back. Now notice, Ahijah tells him, or tells his wife, this is what God has done for you. I've exalted him. I made him a prince. I rent the kingdom from the house of David and gave it to him. You see, God's word is true and faithful can be relied on. The Bible tells us for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen. But Jeroboam sinned against the goodness of God, against the kindness of God, despite experiencing and knowing and enjoying all the blessings and the favor of God Almighty that he had bestowed upon him in free grace. This man did not know the Lord. He didn't love the Lord. He refused to obey the Lord. And we read here, Thou hast done evil above all that were before thee. A reference to Saul, a reference to David, a reference to Solomon. And God put his finger exactly in Jeroboam's sin. And then he adds this bombshell. Here's what the heavy tidings are. I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam. Verse 10. And then look with me at verse 12. Arise thou therefore. Get thee to thine house 
And when thy feet enter into the city, the child, this child called Abijah, that, that the mother and father loved, this child is going to die. Now, now think with me for a moment of this wicked king. Think of this wicked king's wife that's unnamed. Think of the crises that brought her to the house of Ahijah. The condition of the child. His illness, his sickness unto death. Think about the disguise that exposed her. She come disguised. The prophet's blind. He'd not be able to see her. He'd not know her. But he's God's spokesman. And he did see her because God told him. Why the disguise, dear? Why feign thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. You see, Mr. and Mrs. Jeroboam were really bad examples to the people. Even though they were king and queen of the land of the ten tribes of Israel, the northern kingdom, their lives to me stand as warning beacons written in the Bible for our learning and for our exhortation. Isn't this what uh, Paul said to the church at Rome for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Written for our learning. Now let's think tonight of Mr. and Mrs. Jeroboam and the wickedness of a bad example. I want you to think, first of all, that Jeroboam was guilty of ingratitude before God. Here's a personal crisis in the home. A great problem. Son was ill. In fact, he's critical. If you think of the words fell sick, think about a child near the door of death. So the king and queen have got a problem. What do we do? Now, now it's noteworthy what they didn't do. They didn't pray to God for help. The husband didn't say to the wife, now come on, we'll get down their knees before God and we'll seek his mind and ask for his will to be done and ask for his help. They didn't turn to the word of God and say to their souls, well, 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 let's seek a word from God in this situation and put our trust in that word. Both king and queen, I believe, lack real spiritual discernment. Remember, this is the crown prince. This is the heir to the throne. And God, remember, has blessed Jeroboam with the gift of the kingdom. I have exalted thee, he told her. I have made thee a prince. I gave to thee this kingdom. You see, it's a strange thing, the goodness and the mercy of God. If we were to go back a little in the life of Jeroboam into chapter 13, I want you to think of him at a place called Bethel. And there he's standing at the altar, a false altar. He's burning incense. A man of God comes and he denounces the king. Chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. And Jeroboam, the king, was having none of it. And he put forth his hand. And he cried to his soldiers, lay hold on him. He wanted him tortured. He wanted him beaten. He wanted him in prison. Maybe he wanted him even put to death. And do you know what he put out his arm? And his hand, his arm and hand dried up. And he couldn't pull it into himself. And it was only the goodness and the mercy of God, of the man of God who prayed unto the Lord and asked 
for his hand and strength to be restored. And that was another sign of the goodness of God to this man. And isn't it ironic that Jeroboam introduced false religion to Israel? In Dan and Bethel, he had two altars erected. And to mind the altars, he had a company of false priests. Why did he not go to one of his own altars? Why not go back to Bethel? Why not go up to Dan? Why not consult the false priests at the altar? You see, he didn't do what you would have expected him to do. Ahijah lived in Shiloh, 20 miles away from Tirzah, where they had set up their palace and their home. You see, distance wasn't an issue. When grief and trouble and heartache came into the home, what did they do? They sought out a prophet from the Lord. They, 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 they wanted to know what God's mind and will was at that time. Jeroboam devised a very cunning plan. He said to his wife, you disguise yourself. Why did he not go himself? Why did he make his wife go? Why did he make his wife go in disguise? He didn't want anybody to know that she was the queen. He told her to go as a peasant. He told her to take the gift of a peasant. Why did he do that? Well, you've heard of political correctness. It's all around us in the 21st century. Well, this was political correctness. It was because of a political situation consideration that he didn't go himself, that he just didn't send the queen to knock on Ahijah's door. He sent her dressed in disguise as another woman. See, remember, he had just introduced a new religion to the land of Israel. There was new altars, Dan and Bethel. There was a new priesthood. There was a new annual feast. There was a new way to worship. And you see, the nation is watching. The nation's eyes and ears are on the king's house. Everyone knows the son of the king is ill, that he's near death. And the king and queen must be seen to do the political correct thing. But it's interesting, they didn't believe in their religion. I believe they knew it was false. I believe they knew it was folly. But because of a political consideration, they had to be seen not to be deviating from that false religion or that false folly that they had set up. Here they are now, not trusting in that false religion, not turning to it, but they're now turning from it to seek the help of God. And yet as they did so, they were full of hypocrisy. Because I believe that they were really trying to hide from God they were guilty of a base ingratitude. God had been good to them. The Lord had made them king, giving them ten tribes. The Lord had given them much. The goodness of God was evident in their life. And here they are, trying to hide from God. Here he is, wanting God's blessing. Help and heal our son. But they didn't love the Lord. They didn't know God. They didn't want God to have uh, uh, any control over their life They didn't want to live in total obedience to the Lord 
They, they were not living under the, the government of God in that sense. And isn't that true today of many who want to enjoy God's blessings? And God has been very good to them with health and strength and many other physical and material blessings, even spiritual blessings. A good home, godly father and mother, the privilege of having the Bible read to them, the privilege of hearing the gospel. And yet many individuals don't love him. Don't live for him. And when there's a crisis and things are not going well and in a, a, a non-normal situation, they want to call upon him. Then they want to read the word of God. They want to come to the house of God. They want to speak to the man of God. But it's trying to use God. In reality, they were hiding from him, hence the disguise. They didn't want anybody to know that they were identifying with the man of God. And the Lord was having none of it. Jeroboam was guilty of ingratitude before God. I believe something else is evident here. In this wickedness of a bad example, Jeroboam was guilty of idolatry before God. Look at verse 9. But thou hast done evil above all that were before thee. For thou hast gone and made the other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and hast cast me behind thy back. See, here's the sin of Jeroboam. It's not only ingratitude, but it's idolatry. It's being identified and categorized. Four things made other gods, molten images, provoked me to anger, cast me behind thy back. He wasn't a worshiper of the true and the living God. Despite becoming king by the power and the grace and the help and the blessing of God, this man was willing to violate the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. As I've already said, he set up a false religion in the northern kingdom. It was a religion of convenience. It was back to the old religion. Remember in the days of Aaron, he threw the gold, he said, into the fire, and magically as if this golden calf had appeared. And they made two of them. And they set one up in Dan and one up in Bethel. And the people, of course, were told, now you don't have to go up to Jerusalem every year to worship. See, there was a fear if they go up to Jerusalem to worship, they could drift back. And, and, and if they went there to keep the feast, then they could set their heart in Jerusalem and Judah and, 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 and the northern kingdom could be undermined. And to counter that, this religion of convenience was being set up, as I've said, two calves, one in Dan, the other in Bethel. And where did Jeroboam learn them? I believe he learned them in Egypt. Do you know that in Egypt, because they're polytheistic, they worship many gods, one of the gods they worship in Egypt is calf worship. He was familiar with that. He was under its influence because he lived there for a time. And he set them up, one in Dan and one in Bethel. Could I ask tonight, what idol or golden calf is in my life or in yours? See, we as God's people were told, keep thyself from idols. We're told in 1 Corinthians 10 to flee from idolatry. And that's a danger that faces the child of God. That our relationship with the Lord, our fellowship, could all be affected by having a love for something else or someone else more than the Lord. 
It says, And the Bible say, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. Is there something else in the throne of your heart and life that's coming between you and the Lord? Could it be a love of family? Someone asked me the other day, could you love someone too much? And my answer was yes. Do you know why? Because the Bible tells us, I shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. It's God first. Our love to God must be central. It must be paramount. And you could love someone too much by refusing to tell them about their sin or to call them repentance or, or, or to point out their need to trust Christ. What about a love for finance? Remember the rich young ruler? Jesus said to him, go sell all that thou hast and take up thy cross and come and follow me. The Bible says he went away sad at that saying for he had great possessions. You see, he was rich. I believe money was his God. Gold was his idol. He, he boasted that he had kept the commandments, but he hadn't because he had violated the first one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And he made a god out of his money. And there's nothing wrong with money, but, but it's the love of money. The Bible says in the ninth commandment, thou shalt not covet. Maybe it's a love of factory or farm. Maybe it's a love of friends. You think today of the, the influence of pop idols, football stars, film stars, even those that are on Instagram. And they've all become idols, really, in the hearts and lives of the young people. What they're saying, what they're doing, what they're thinking, what they're wearing, how they're behaving. I remember hearing a story about a TV film called Dallas. And there was a lady in it uh, pretending, of course, I think her name was Sue Ellen, I may be wrong, and she was married to a man called Bobby Ewing. Uh, and then um, she had an affair with someone and they ended up getting divorced. And because that was on the television, this other woman, she did exactly the same thing. She had an affair uh, and then she divorced her husband. Do you know what the Bible teaches about the death of Moses? He had a very unique funeral. Do you know many people were at Moses' funeral? Just one. Do you know many people knew where Moses was buried? Just one. Do you know how many people dug Moses' grave? Just one. The Lord himself. I wonder why. Do you ever think of that? The answer is so that there wouldn't be a shrine to Moses. Soon we'll be going back to the land of Israel and the will of God. We may go to the tomb of Rachel. We may go to the tomb of David in Mount Zion in Jerusalem. But some people have made it a shrine. They want to go there and pray. They, they want to light candles. They, they want to touch it as if something miraculous is going to, 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 to um, come to them out of the stone. That encases the body of King David. Wasn't the brazen serpent kept for 700 years? Bits of the cross today, we're told. Candles and relics. See, they're, they're, they're all connected to idolatry. Jesus would ask us tonight, lovest thou me more than these? See, see love to God has to be paramount. And, and, and Jeroboam did not love the Lord. He was guilty of idolatry before God. Very quickly, he was guilty of inducement before God. 
If you go back to our reading there, it says in verse 16, and he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, who did sin and who made Israel to sin. Notice that. You see, Jeroboam not only individually sinned himself, but he encouraged the whole of the nation, the ten kingdoms, to follow suit. He's the leader. He's the king on the throne. He's the commander-in-chief. He's, he sinned. In fact, the Bible tells us the sins of Jeroboam, so it's plural, who did sin. And notice these words, and who made Israel to sin. He encouraged the nation to do as he did, to sin after him. In fact, the Bible tells us here, and cast me behind thy back. And what the king did, then the people did. You see, the Bible teaches that no man's an island. No man lives and dies unto himself. He was influenced to sin because of his own inward sinful depravity. But his influence to sin greatly affected the ten tribes that led to open and sin and rebellion breaking out before God. He, he manipulated the people to get what he wanted. And he stands as a warning. I believe he was a bad influence. You know, you can be a bad influence, you can be a good influence. Here's a man who ignored the negative bits and embraced the positive bits. And isn't that what, what many do today? I want you to be an encouragement, a good influence in your home, helping your church and its work and witness in your job, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your university. But we've got to remember, God's a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath, a God who hates sin. Yes, there's the positive message of heaven, but there's a negative message of hell and judgment to come. And, 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 and God had given uh, Jeroboam so much. And yet Jeroboam had forgot that I've got an influence on in my family and an influence in my country. I wonder tonight, do you realize the influence you have? I remember a story about a man on a train Somebody said to him, sir, you've left something behind. He said, I haven't. And he said, oh, you have. And he started to argue. He had a bit of drink in him. He said, well, I've got my cigarettes here, and I've got my coat, and I've got my whiskey. What would I have left behind? And this person says, an influence. See, see, don't be a bad influence where God has placed you. Don't, don't. Be influenced to live a life of sin and rebellion and, and cast God behind your back and then and just, and, and, uh, encourage others to do so also and to follow you. Use your influence to promote the things of God and the gospel. You know the great truths of the gospel. Many today are using their influence for bad and for evil. Didn't Eve use her influence in Adam? Didn't Rebecca use her influence to get Jacob to lie and deceive his father, Isaac, think of the mother's influence to, to lie and to cheat. Wasn't the influence of a spiritual mother. We'd have to say it was the influence of, of a mother who was doing wrong. Think of Jezebel, uh, a bad influence in King Ahab. She actually pulled the strings in Ahab's life. A bad influence now. 
but also a bad influence in years to come. The late Dr. Paisley preached a funeral sermon on one occasion in my presence from Job 14, and he asked the question, where is he? And this is how he answered that question. He's still here with us as far as his influence. And of course, the influence of the late Dr. Paisley still lives on. There was 4,000 downloads last month of his sermons alone. He also answered it by saying, he's in the coffin as far as his body's concerned. His soul and spirit have gone to be with the Lord. And also, where is he? He's alive in heaven. And did you know that 200 years after Jeroboam's death, this calf worship, this religion of convenience that he introduced in the northern kingdom of Israel and Dan and Bethel, it was still continuing. There's 200 references or 20 references to the fact that Jeroboam made Israel to sin. You, you think of the influence of Darwin, theory of evolution, how evolution is are, are, um, much to the fore in a militant agenda today. Think of the rich man in hell. Remember he said to Lazarus, I have five brothers. He didn't want them to come to hell. Why? Because he influenced them to sin. He had influenced him to live a, a godless lifestyle because of his richness and his money. You see, Jeroboam was guilty of this inducement to sin before God. And can I just say this in closing? Jeroboam was guilty of insurrection before God. Think of these words as we finish. In, in chapter 14, verse 9. And has cast me behind thy back. You see... This man was not for turning. And his wife, who's unnamed, who had this little boy, Abijah, who, who was dying, who, who was ill, and she had gone to the prophet to ask the question, and the question was this, what shall become of the child? And they hadn't in it to pray, and they hadn't in it to seek God. And the child died. Did it soften their heart? Did it touch them? Did, did it break them? Did, did it challenge them to repent and get right with God? No, it didn't. See, God had already spoke to Jeroboam the time he raised his hand and it became stiff and he couldn't move it. And then he healed him. God already spoke to him about giving him the kingdom. But this man lived a life as a stubborn as a mule. He refused to turn. He refused to yield. And despite all that God had done, he lived a life of insurrection before God. He made Israel to sin. Why? Because he'd cast God behind his back. And I say to you tonight, that's the wickedness of a bad example. Guilty of ingratitude. Are you guilty of ingratitude because God has been good to you in the life that you've lived? What about guilty of idolatry? Have you got an idol in your heart? Do you love someone else or something else more than you really love the Lord? Are you guilty tonight of inducement to sin? That you want to live a life of sin and you want others to live a life of sin? Are you guilty tonight of insurrection because you've cast the Lord behind your back? That's the wickedness of a bad example. I pray tonight that you'll see these folks as a warning begin. And you'll certainly aspire not to live or behave like them by the grace of God. May the Lord take his word and apply it to our hearts this evening.